0: It's well, just got 8.14 uh, a.m. You're listening to a loan shedded German, and I think you're probably a loan shedded German, parts of German as well. Uh, let's see, inshallah, alhamdulillah. Let's see how we continue on our alternate communication. We trust it will be well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nonetheless, it is time for the Asri report, as always, on this uh, time on uh, Friday morning. And for uh, so this morning's Asri report, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, Rashad assalam wa, wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh,
1: how are
0: you? Alhamdulillah for joining us. Well, Rashad, as can be expected, most reports for the next, uh, at least heading to the weekends from a South, African, from a South Africa related, either related to ESCOM or the, uh, you know, or the budget speech by the Minister of Finance. What are the highlights of the 2023 budget speech in your opinion?
1: Okay, so, I mean, this budget speech came on the back of, uh, like, you know, unprecedented levels of load shedding. Uh, So a lot of people are obviously looking out for what's going to be said about ESCOM. And it came on the back of the medium-term budget policy statement in October, which showed a drastic improvement compared to last year this time. So with that backdrop, it presented a continuation of what's called fiscal consolidation from the perspective of uh, of the Ministry of Finance where we continue to try and stabilize our public finances and maintain uh, the levels of debt without increasing any further so it's a lot of hard tough love for spending departments so there's a continuation of that uh, what was uh, probably the biggest highlight as I mentioned earlier was ESCOM
0: right so like I think we just lost uh, Rashad there. We'll try and get uh, Rashad back on line with us. Yes, that's what happens when you're <clears> in sort uh, kind of a load uh, you know, experience over here. So we try. to Yes, Rashad, you back I, I think maybe that's the thing to talk about. Go ahead, Rashad. We'll try and get uh, hopefully Rashad on a, a better line in, in, in a while. So we're talking about the, uh, you know, the, the budget speech uh, in relation to the MTBPS, that is the medium-term budget policy statement, which came out earlier on. Uh, normally what happens is that when you have these reports, it's, it's not just one source. So This is the one in February, the, uh, the, the budget speech, and then thereafter uh, it's uh, preceded by another one during the course of the year. And what is expected to happen is that in the course of the period of time, uh, it is hoped that uh, both of them will correlate that you've had one grouping uh, or, or one, uh, you know, uh, group, and they now, or rather one statement, and that statement leads into the next, uh, the next one. So, so this is in line of the NTBS. Rashad, I think we've got you back on a clearer line. You were saying the highlights of the 2023 budget. if you Yes, so I, I, I was yeah. saying
1: they're, they're attempting to continue the trajectory of fiscal, of fiscal stabilization and consolidation, uh, and the ESCOM deal obviously put some pressure on that. Uh, And so the allocation to different departments, whether it be education or higher education or health or social development, those have come under pressure and they've been under pressure now for the past seven or eight years. And the impact of that is obviously weakening service delivery. We've seen the deterioration in the quality of policing and the quality of of basic education. uh, Absolutely the case. So overall, he's attempting to maintain that. ISCOM is the big highlight. There's not much by way of... uh, uh, any major tax relief. There's the allocation uh, or the concession for solar panels, so 15,000 the maximum 15,000 rands of your insulation costs uh, for solar for higher middle-income households. Uh, overall, he's trying to do what he can do, but the Ministry of Finance is only as good as the strength of cabinet and is particularly weak, divided cabinet with a weak president. And so they, uh, the, the big, the big take-home for me is the inability of uh, the president and the cabinet to make difficult decisions, and there's a continuation of kicking the can down the road, and the ESCOM deal doesn't look tenable uh, right now, politically at least. And that's you know coming on the back of what we saw the saying in an interview about the extent of, of uh, corruption even within the ANC uh, uh, MPs and, and cabinet right now. So, overall continuation of, of where we were right now, the numbers look better but the numbers are still very tentative and subject to major risk from
0: uh, Mm. low-shedding. You know, uh, Rashad, I mean, what has changed since the tabling of the NTBPS, that is the medium-term budget policy statement, Uh, these are normally like indicators, right, for six or seven months now we want to see the effectivity of this current budget speech, but the NTBPS is also an important indicator during the course of the year as to how we are faring and what has changed since that tabling, in your opinion, what's the difference?
1: Yes, absolutely. So the MTBPS is uh, tabled in October. What the MTBPS does is it, it shows government's policy intent over the next three years. So when we plan, what we, we what we have is called the medium-term expenditure framework. So we don't plan, to, we don't budget just year to year, we budget over a three-year period. But the three-year period budgeting is dependent on what government anticipates to be the revenue it collects for the year, the next year, and the following year, and what are the expenditure commitments. So for instance, if you're building a hospital and it's a three-year process, you don't just allocate resources for one specific year. You need to have a longer-term pipeline to output planning. So last year, October, there was an uptick in the performance of the African economy. Our revenue collection had really improved quite a bit, and that's partially because of improvements at uh, and so, And the growth outlook had also improved. And so the fiscal metrics, so your debt-to-GDP, your primary balance, your overall revenue collection, those all looked a lot better last year in October, because of of uh, uh, momentum in the African economy and the global economy, but since October last year, which is only four months ago, uh, the global economy's recovery seems to have slowed, and mo- and the biggest factor is actually has been the effect of of uh, debilitating uh, load shedding across the country. I mean, so the number of hours we lost uh, over the past 12 months is three times the the, the previous year. So it's it's just uh, incredible, uh, and so the, and and Bernada's putting pressure on. A business or so whether you're a small business or your home industry or your large business, the cost of ge- of generating using diesel and generators is exceptionally high, and so people stop producing or they have to reschedule or people you know um, make alternate uh, behavioral choices and so that's put pressure on both the forms of the economy but especially on on uh, on households and investment decisions going forward right now so these are obviously negative developments compared to the medium term budget policy statement which now then places pressure, further pressure on what's going on uh, over the next three years. And obviously then we have the election coming up. So
0: now there's that dynamic in the next 18 months. Um, You know, also one important aspect that I want to discuss with you, Rashad, is that despite, I mean... Slowing growth and revenue revenue numbers, of course, will seem good. I mean, these are obviously optimistic, aren't they? I mean, does it mean the rebuilding of SARS is in progress? We've seen uh, SARS over the years, uh, and I would say about five, six years ago, uh, reach a very low level in terms of uh, management, in terms of of, of collection. And uh, and we've seen that in the last few years, at least I would say the last 18 months or so, uh, they've seen some very good revenue revenue numbers. Uh, are we to see this year as once again a returning of a strong stance?
1: So so absolutely, right? So this has been one, you know, positive development of, you know, in the midst of all of other negative developments in in this country's politics and, and governance. Uh so those revenue numbers, I mean myself, I was pleasantly surprised in what we saw over the past twelve months. Partially I, I thought it was because of high commodity prices, but it seems it's more than just high commodity prices. It seems like the rebuilding of SARS after the moyane zuma years destroyed uh, part of its capabilities under now t um has really assisted quite a bit. So your revenue numbers, from, especially corporate income tax and personal income tax, uh, is uh, are looking really strong. Uh, part of this is because SARS is just doing its work. It's going after tax evasion, tax avoid, and avoiding individuals and businesses, and demanding its, its harking in many respects. Uh, so the rebuilding of SARS is really... Uh, 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 born fruit uh, and brought home the, the um, proverbial um, biryani, uh, less so when it comes to value-added tax. And so weak performance of value-added tax indicates overall weakness in the South African economy, certainly from households who are under pressure and probably spending less, and the high and the high inflation, high price of, of food and fuel. Uh, but overall, uh, to your point, the yes, S.T.A.R.S. is looking a lot stronger, and that is going to assist us. It's not sufficient to take us uh you know to to uh, the promised land of um, of high growth low unemployment and, and low inequality but it certainly assists right now and it shows the extent to which the destruction of institutions has uh, had a massive impact on, on on the budget and on
0: service delivery <laughs> Rashad, well, you know, a debate that we've been having for, the, for, for a while now, especially with, with social groups or, or those NGOs that are involved in more um, the social political structure of, of the country and assisting those who are the most needy, is that this budget here, I mean, how does it fare for the average public? And the average public, uh, you know, uh, the average person here in South Africa is regarded as poor. We are a middle to low income in, in, you know, uh, in country by, by way of the world's index and, and by way of our observation and looking at unemployment numbers well, Many may say that South Africa is regarded, at least locally, as a poorer country Is this a, a poor friendly type of a budget Or were, were those announcements or those statements mainly for the relief of the middle class to wealthy Which are a minority in the country anyway?
1: So, yeah, so I think I've met the well-framed question. It's multidimensional. So when we evaluate how pro-poor or how progressive a specific budget is, uh, we need to look at not just one budget in isolation, but the overall you know, policy trajectory of the country and our ability to, to remain fiscally sustainable. So one can say you know, a specific budget isn't doing enough for the poor. It's cutting down on social services. It's cutting down on education and health and sanitation spending. And absolutely, in the short run, that harms the poor. The quality of service provision in the country has has uncontroversially uh, been adversely affected through slowing budget allocation. Uh, And so in a a specific year, then one can come to that conclusion. But if you take a broader uh, perspective, which is required when we're discussing budget and policy uh, developments over a long term, the reason government is embarking on what's called consolidation, which has short-term harmful effects on the poor and on service delivery and on across the entire spectrum of the country is that you would much rather have the short-term difficult cost borne by the public and borne by the average African citizen rather than reach a situation like Venezuela or Argentina or Zimbabwe or Turkey where you run in financial or Sri Lanka or Lebanon when you run into financial distress and all of the gains of a, a socially progressive state that tries to take care of the weakest members of society are all lost. Right? So so the long-term objective of fiscal consolidation is absolutely pro-poor, uh, and and I, and I think it's difficult to contest that. However, that said, though, it's more than just the allocation of resources. It's the inability of government departments to actually function uh, for local municipalities to, to, to get basic uh, services right, which also uh, has maybe a proportionate or even a, a larger uh, impact on, on service delivery and the poor. Um, when it comes to middle class, I mean, because the middle class is a very uh, odd term. You think middle class, you think like, you know, picket, picket fence house with a double garage and a swimming pool. That in this country is higher middle income. Your middle class in this country is people who are earning around 15,000 rands a month who more often than not are struggling to get by. You know, they're not going on fancy holidays. They're not using iPhones. and More often than not, they don't own cars. And that's the middle of the distribution of the income. Um, and so, yes, I mean, people can say like, you know, the... The, uh, the incentive for individuals to in, install solar panels or the, uh, you know, the, the free pass on uh, increasing uh, a few levies uh, assists uh, people. And yes, the former is this uh, higher, higher middle-income folk and the latter assists the entire economy across the spectrum. Uh, that, is, that is the case, right? Uh, and so uh, one needs to take a long-term perspective when it comes to the pro-poorness or the progressivity of a specific budget. I, I, I think a lot of the characterizations, uh from the civil society as this is an elitist budget or this only takes care of the rich, uh, I think are well-intended but poorly informed.
0: Frankly, Rashad, uh, we are, of course, headed towards... Uh National elections here 2024 is the date. Uh, seems a, a long way away, but this budget over here, uh, tabled by the Minister of Finance, uh, how, how does it speak to the ANC's uh, bid for 2024? We know that the, the economy is going to play a major factor in the way people eventually end up voting, and, and you could have. Uh, how much nostalgia around your party you want to? When people are hungry and out of jobs, well, that's how it's expected that they are going to put their their vote down. And uh, how is this uh, spoken to the the party's objectives? Uh, although the minister uh, is, is, is should not have been, or should not be, no minister of finance should be biased towards their political party. We know that it is in the uh, back of his mind that my party needs to fare well in the next 18 months. So, in order to have the best chance possible in 2024, and his budget would would, would might reflect that either either subtly or either either directly. How did, does this budget speak to the ANC's bid for 2024? I mean, including, of course, the ceremonial
1: Yes. So, I mean, I, I I don't think anybody, even in the ANC, uh, <laughs> are not fully aware of the the, the stakes uh, for them right now. Uh, I think load shedding would probably be the biggest priority for the party to try and at least maintain it 50 plus 1% so it doesn't need to go into alliance with the EFF. Uh, and so they are, I mean, really, really, really concerned about it. Um, I think what emerges here is obviously ESCOM, right? So if you can keep the lights on, maybe you'll annoy voters less and maybe you'll maybe be able to keep it 50 plus 1%. So the ESCOM allocation certainly speaks to that. But the mechanics of the ESCOM uh, uh, allocation and the ESCOM deal, if you want to call it that, um, do not do not align with the ruling party's approach, right? So this is essentially in the budget, it's a privatization of energy generation by stealth, right? So ESCOM doesn't get the ability to construct new plants. Private sector players be brought on to maintain certain plants and, and manage and generate. And so the ruling party, even if it wants to keep the lights on, is making some major ideological concessions because by and large they don't believe in privatization they believe in a big strong state and in our case have a big weak state um so there's that right So when it comes to decision making there's there's so much that has been put on the back burner primarily because the nec and the cabinet uh, are not cohesive there's internal uh, differences and you have a, a president who's, who who up until recently was was struggling to, to to maintain his control over the party and, and there's supposedly a shuffle coming, coming pretty soon. And so big decisions aren't being made and these big decisions are critical first and, and the short-term objective for the party is um, to hand, uh, to hand the, the, the country back to the ANC in 2024. Uh, and so decisions haven't been made on extension of the social relief of this grant. They're playing for touch uh, over there. They've extended it by one year. No big decision has been made. Uh, ESCOM seems to be up in the air and there seems to be incohesiveness in, in the approach. Uh, when it comes to the presidential employment stimulus, there's, there's no real clear direction over there. And so we see um, overall an inability to actually make decisions and take hard decisions, primarily because you've got a weak uh, president and a divided cabinet. Now that is very constantly in the run-up to elections because what voters want is strong, uh, strong statements, strong action that at least, you know, pulls their, their, their tummy in and, and says, hey, this party is actually delivering for us uh, even 30 years after the dawn of democracy. And um, it doesn't look as if they're even playing that short-term game particularly well. Uh, but it's still, you know, 18 months and even a day is very long in politics. But uh, first and foremost, this ESCOM thing is, is really, 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 really.
0: Thank you for joining us on Radio Islam International with the Asli Report this uh, Friday morning. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Asahi Assalamu
1: alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh
0: would be uh, as expected. Budget rundown on the us report and its relation to uh, well, where we are headed. Interesting point from SARS perspective. He's right. I mean, uh, SARS has improved its game. If you receive those notices ever so once in a while, they seem to be more uh, regular than what they've ever have been in the last uh, as long as I can remember. And uh, let's see how SARS goes. Well, as long as they do it fairly and, and justly across the board and Everybody, you know, pays their their fair share, although, um, you know, fair share, of course, is something which is debatable that should you be paying or should you not be paying. But the issue here with South Africans is that, okay, fine, revenue is being taken in by SARS, but we're not seeing it by way of service delivery national service delivery, or even local and municipal service delivery for that matter. Unlike countries that you have a high taxation system that sees the benefits in, uh, you know, in, in other ways, uh, quality education, quality roads, uh, subsidized living for those who are really in need. Well, let's see how that uh, plays out in the, you know, in the, in the months ahead uh, as we head into the mid- medium-term budget policy statement expected middle of the year, when that will be the report card, what uh, the, the minister might have said, uh, you know, last uh, last week or you know, well, well not last week but just a few a few days ago. Great, uh, from my side. We we'll are returning Shalva in a few minutes to conclude this hour.